structures are not serving us well. We need to creatively destroy the ships that brought us here and move into the land of the future with better tools. Tools that keep us safer and healthier, that create more wealth for more people, that foster more intimate and rewarding relationships. We need to leave behind what is not working. We need a modern revolution. We invite here, they are thinking differently, and we'll tell you where you can learn all about them later, after you have listened to them closely. For now, we don't want to impress you with what they have done, we want to impress you with what they have to say. The Modern Revolution will be podcasted. All right, well, welcome to the Modern Revolution, and here we talk with guests who are multifaceted and affecting the world in many positive ways, not just for themselves, but for all of us. And in our podcast, we don't beat you over the head with the resume of our guest, implying that you must believe everything they say because of their past experiences and accomplishments. We are inviting our guests to speak about their experiences and their intentions first, and we are inviting you to listen to them closely. And should their ideas resonate with you, well, you can learn as much as you want about them and the work they do in our show notes at themodernrevolution.com. And today's guest is modern revolutionary Thomas Allen. And Thomas, you know, we know that you're a multidimensional person and you do work that affects us in many ways. Um, so I'm going to ask you a kind of a subtle and for some people difficult question, but if I was going to ask you to distill your mission in the world uh, to a simple phrase or term or, you know, a soundbite, how would you talk about what you're trying to accomplish out there in the world? I'd say essentially I just I want to tell um, stories that are impactful, and I want to present points of view that aren't necessarily um, well-known or um, necessarily thought about all that often. Well, you and I have kind of talked just a little bit prior to, you know, jumping on here today. And, um, you, you know, there are people with, um, you know, big microphones, big kind of pulpits to get their point of view across and say what they want to say. And, and then there's a much, much larger number of people that don't have uh, such a platform in which to either give their point of view or describe their story and how their story, you know, although it may not be evident to people, is kind of folded into the fabric of who we all are. Um, so, I mean, I have a little bit of my own ideas about, you know, the problem, so to speak, that you're trying to solve in the world. But in terms of, you know, what is present after your work in the world that wasn't there before your work in the world, I mean, yeah, from that point of view, like what problem are you trying to solve in the world? Um, I, I think I would couch it um, a, a bit differently. Um, to be specific, I think the ability to think creatively and then to present um, the ideas that come out of that creative process um, to the world is, is one of the most um, difficult and, and courageous things a person can go through. And even though we all appreciate the labor that comes with the things we enjoy, you know, like when, when we enjoy, you know, someone's 
musical compositions, their film, um, an, an engineering feat, whatever the case may be, a lot of times we don't necessarily think about what it took for that person to take that idea out of their own mind and then to present it so that it's judged by other people in, in numerous ways. So is that, that process in particular is something to, to me that is, is very important and, and interesting, and it's the focus of uh, the series I started about two years ago, give or take, um, called The Arena. Yeah, and I, I mean, first of all, I'm a fan of of that uh, series and your work in general, but I think that series is a, um, a real accomplishment. And, I mean, in a sense, uh, I mean, would you, would you consider this, I mean, yourself, you're in the arena in terms of stepping out and, um, to the best of my knowledge, you're not backed by any extraordinary studio or moneyed people and all the rest of it. So, I mean, you're, you're entering into this creative marketplace on your own. I mean, this is what you do and are producing from every, every creative decision as it relates to questions and, you know, presentation of the material you're, I mean, uh, you're talking to people who are perhaps um, don't have as big a voice and, and, and giving them a platform. And in a certain sense, your work in and of itself, I mean, you were in the arena too. Is that, is that a kind of a paraphrase of what, what you're kind of talking to me in a sense, like your work in a way could be motivating to other people to see, hey, you know what, you don't need to be a powerful person to say what you want to say and, and, you know, bring your own creativity into the marketplace of ideas, marketplace of, you know, the creative landscape. I've never really thought about it um, in that way, uh, truth be told. Um, I think the best way for a person to understand, at least my perspective, um, would be to look at the way that we tend to think of people that we call artists. When, whenever you hear that word, it, it conjures up a specific idea or vision. And I've never really considered myself to be that um, <laughs> And I think that people who do operate from that space um, are, are very interesting. And one of the reasons I, I decided to start the series is because I think that word can be applied to a number of different people in different ways. And I've always just been curious about, you know, what it takes to operate in that space while still, you know, you know, functioning in, in all the usual ways. Um, so to give an example, you know, you can we can talk about people who fit into the into that category, you know, because they're you know the the usual kind of artist, whether they be a painter or a musician or anything you know related to that. But I, I think if you operate at a, at a high enough level in your particular field, anybody can really fall into that category. I think engineers can be considered artists in a way. So for me, the series is it's almost um, kind of a meditation on the person and, and how, you know, their chosen tool for expressing themselves um, really serves their particular purpose. So um, if a person watches the, you know, an episode and, and they're inspired by by what they see, then from my from my point of view, hopefully it's because of the subject. 
Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I mean, you're um, you're expanding people's notion of of uh, <clears throat> hey, if you looked closely enough at these people and saw what you know I'm seeing by sort of a careful examination of what they're doing in the world, what might seem to be um, you know a task that is mechanical or functional in nature actually is is a, is a you know is greater than that and rises to a different level of accomplishment and it's interesting to me that you don't think of yourself as an artist cuz in my conversations about you to other people that's the word i use all the time you know and and i and <clears throat> because people will have to learn more about you at our show notes in the modernrevolution.com i mean i know that you apply your skills in a variety of manners not just uh, for, you know, the arena, but in a lot of ways, and some of it with the intention of a specific reaction in your audiences and uh, in some, in a, I think, like the arena to me is a little bit open-ended, like what does it evoke in people? And, um, and I know your background it carries with it, you know, a variety of influences that are not just artistic, but from my, you know, knowledge, at least sort of practical too, you know, sort of a a technical sort of engineering type of discipline. And I'm curious, um, you know, in your journey to doing what you're doing now, was it always evident that this is what you wanted to do, that these were the things that you, these were the, the ways you wanted to express yourself by helping other people uh, perhaps be seen or express themselves? Or was it an epiphany where you felt like, at this moment in my life, it's, it, it clarified in an instant, like, this is what I want to do. Um, and in conversations we've had, there have been times where you, you know, said, like, I got it. Like, this is, I want to go in this particular direction. Um, I mean, how, how does that work for how you came to where you are? Was it a process, uh, gradual, or was it more of an epiphany? I would say it was more gradual. Um, I, I come out of the... IT software world. That's where I've spent the bulk of my early adult professional life. So I would say over the last um, over, over the last um, number of years, it's been kind of a gradual pull in into this direction. Um, I've always had an affinity for film as a tool for expressing yourself. I mean, that's, that just comes, you know, from early influences from my mom and dad and, and just, just loving the, the craft, but I never really thought of it as something that I could use to express myself. And over time, you just, at least for me, um, you get to a point where you, you kind of look out and you, you see, you know, different things happening and you look for a way to, to best express what you think and what you see. And for me, because I just happen to love the, the craft and, and, and just love what it can evoke in people, it was just the thing that I was attracted to. So at that point, um, it just becomes a matter of deciding, okay, I, I know I want to to use this as, as a tool. So, you know, from a business perspective, you know, how can I also, you know, accommodate all the things that I want to do using using this one thing. So I think a combination of just recognizing that the landscape 
had kind of changed when it comes to media and also recognizing that, you know, if I put in the necessary time to learn how to use the tools properly, that all these things could, could come together. Yeah, I, you know, just I want to just take a quick aside just because it's something I don't know about you um, myself. I, were your folks creatives? Were they, did, did they tie their livelihood to uh, the marketplace of creativity or, or were they just aficionados of art, perhaps film specifically? I mean, just out of my own personal curiosity. No, my, um, my father is an engineer and my mother um, was a seamstress. So um, between the two of them, you get someone like me. Um, when I was young, my, I would say my affinity for film, I, I, I'm not really sure I could, I could break it down between the two of them. It's just something that's always, that was always part of our family. Um, going back, as, as far as I can recall, it's just something that we've always enjoyed. And, um, and in fact, the... The earliest memories I have are watching classic films with my mom because, you know, those were the mm. things that she liked and I just yeah. I happened to like them too. So it's just something that's always been apparent from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, I, I went from the beginning of meeting you, you know, the, the nomenclature of Sam Marlowe, given your age, uh, you know, and is it Sam Marlowe Productions? Am I getting that, that name right? Uh, uh, it's, it's just the S. S uh, S, 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 S Marlowe, but I mean the reference for me was um, interesting. Given uh, you know I'm meaningfully older than you, and you know I think of that reference as being uh, certainly closer to me, but even you know perhaps closer to my folks in terms of um, you know time period. So I got a kick out of that when we first kind of got to know each other. Um, well, and, you know, that blend of a seamstress and an engineer, uh, when I watch you work, I mean, you have a level of precision about how you go about your craft that um, I really like. Uh, I'm terribly imprecise and really have to work hard um, to make sure that I'm at least precise enough or disciplined enough in terms of uh, the detail of things because I find that um, difficult for me. And, you know, one of the things we talk about here is sort of, the forces of the current environment that um, make it so that way the things, you know, for other people who maybe want to do what you're doing but are not able to do what you're doing. I mean, what are some of the status quo dynamics out there in our society that are keeping folks with perhaps similar talents and interests from moving in the direction of that you're moving in? I mean, you've made a big commitment to go from something that people value in a very practical sense when you bring, you know, software skills and IT development skills and so on to the marketplace. It's an easier thing to value economically, but to step into the creative space where there's a more subjective um, point of view in terms of value. I mean, what, what are some of the things that you consider to be status quo? Are they internal uh, barriers that we've absorbed via, you know, the classic notion of, hey, you got to be responsible and responsible means X, or are there external things that kind of impose on people um, an inability to go express themselves? I certainly feel like there's been a democratization of equipment. You know, I think about a, a gimbal that I just bought for less than $200 
to, you know, basically do things like Facebook Live that when I think about how good it is compared to even 10 years ago, you know, I'm surprised at the quality of, um, of the tool. But, I mean, I guess my, the nature of my question is sort of like what, what out there is sort of in the status quo that is keeping people from expressing themselves in perhaps the way you're expressing yourself? I would say, I mean, there, there are a number of different um, factors in play. Um, when I think of creativity in the, in the abstract, it applies to so many things. And I guess the, the irony here is that access to the tools to learn are, have never been more available. I mean, when it, I mean, you can be talking about as something as complicated as application development or any other thing. And these days you can find the necessary tools to learn at least, you know, the, the, the foundational um, elements of, of whatever discipline you want to be a part of. So access isn't necessarily the problem. Um, what I would say is if, if we, if we're looking for a common denominator, I would think it would, it's just the, the basic educational system. And if you think about the kind of person that the vast majority of educational systems here in the U.S. is designed to produce, it's, it's not really somebody who operates um, in kind of an independent, um, creative way. It's Those systems are designed to produce people who function best in, 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 in a system where, you know, they have a specific set of instructions they're supposed to follow um, within the context of a hierarchy. So I would say that that kind of system um, just isn't conducive to, you know, somebody with uh, an independent and strongly creative uh, streak. Yeah, that when I think about uh, the arena and the people that you've picked, I mean, I, I think from how I react to it, I mean, you're picking people who are um, bucking that trend or whatever would be the right expression, you know, working contrary to the expectations of, hey, this is, this is a traditional route that you need to go because this is how we do it here and are going, um, you know, a different way. I mean, when you think about perhaps the assumptions that your work challenges, uh, I mean, the, you're talking about a broad notion in terms of the educational system of the country. I mean, there's both, I think, commonalities, region to region and state to state and neighborhood to neighborhood, but there's certainly underpinning um, intentions and, and perhaps, you know, seeking specific outcomes across the country. When you present your work to the world, do you feel like it's challenging particular set of assumptions? I mean, what, you know, what's your feeling about that? Um, if it does, I would say it maybe is more indirect. I mean, just to be clear, I, I don't necessarily think everybody functions best the way that a lot of the people I've talked to function. I mean, some people are best served by having very clear boundaries and very clear expectations for what they're going to be doing on a day-to-day -day basis, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's really, it just comes down to understanding what you're capable of and how best to maximize, you know, whatever – um, talent or, or, or whatever um, whatever you're, you're trying to go after. All I would say is is that for people who 
obviously don't function best, you know, in, in those kinds of situations, then what you have available to you now is something very, I would say, unique when you look at just the trajectory of, of history, at least here in this country. And given the fact that, you know, these technological platforms have opened up um, information and have opened up, you know, how a person can educate themselves, if you find that, you know, these historical or historically um, constrained systems don't work for you, then it, it is possible for you to to reach out and, and do something much different, provided that you have the internal discipline and drive to try to do it. Yeah, I mean, what do you what do you think we're losing um, as a as a society by the folks who would thrive in that um, environment by not figuring out how to maybe express or describe a roadmap that hey, you might not fit within this traditional sense of or this traditional structure of what we're encouraging you in our uh, educational system, which by default has to speak to the broadest number of people because, I mean, the resources to kind of tailor everything to each person's thing doesn't exist. I mean, we don't – I don't hear anybody talking about there being an overabundance of resource in our education system. So, I mean, when you don't have extra, then you have to speak to, you know, the, the means, so to speak, and, and ca- you know, capture as many people as possible um, in giving – uh, giving as many people as much benefit as possible. But that means that, you know, these folks who are surely the smaller part of the population are not getting served. So I'm curious, like, what do you think we're losing by not figuring out some structures? Or is what you're saying to me that those structures are there in a way they've never been before, um, but are there enough people finding them? I mean, where where do you think we sit in that regard? Well, I would say that if to to answer your question directly, what are we losing? Um, I would think that you're you're losing access to um, a mind that thinks about problems much differently. So that just means in the aggregate you don't have as many options to solve problems as you might have. But what I would say in general is 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 this um, traditionally people at least here in the U.S., aren't necessarily taught how to think. So what that means then is when you're faced with, you know, decisions and you're faced with, you know, having to make an analysis, depending on whatever you're you're facing at a given point, if you um, if you didn't necessarily have access to the tools to that would make it possible for you to to make choices and to, and to draw from certain kinds of uh, modes of thought, then you're going you're gonna to be at a loss. And I think, and I don't, I don't mean to, to generalize, but just to talk about it from as wide a point of view as possible, I think the ability to, to think clearly and to work through a progression um, in order to make a decision is, is a skill that isn't as widely taught as it should be. Yeah, I mean that's that was where my instincts, you know, are as well. Like we, um, we on some level, maybe perhaps the educational system is 
living in a legacy world of how we've done things in the past and isn't necessarily taking advantage of all the things in the present that could help uh, push the the impact beyond you know just the current maybe mean or average whatever you might want to say um, to a broader uh, you know broader part of the the population that's going through through that and if you were wanting to figure out how to affect some change in 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 the society um, I mean do you have any ideas about how people might either consume whatever art consume things that are that are produced by these folks that are not in the mainstream um, as a way to bring uh, to encourage all these different points of view um, to, to flourish a bit because if we do then the society gets access to these uh, differently thinking minds and who knows what what that produces I mean that famous Apple uh, ad think different you know that we've had the most progress by the people who thought the most differently in the society and do you have any ideas on how people might do that and the previous guest Kimber Lanning runs an organization here in Arizona called local first and um, I think there's a version of that in her mind that says look um, there's other places to go than Walmart and you know, the big chains. And when you do that, you impact your community in a much different way by uh, bringing the power of your consumption out of um, the mainstream and pushing it more towards the smaller players who are, um, by virtue of the fact that they're smaller, are having to uh, work with other smaller players, right? So there's a diversity of um, work and and, and there's an economic diversity. The money's not being funneled into one giant company, but instead spread throughout your own community. Um, when you think about ways that other people might encourage these differently thinking people, do you have any ideas about that? Like how someone might make a, a small change in their behavior that would bring about um, bringing these other folks into the fold more? So I think we're already starting to see a shift in, you know, the way that people consume information and, and what they seek out. I mean, if we just take a look at what's happening on social platforms and especially what's happening in the, the podcasting world, I mean, I, I think those are, are clear indicators that people, A, they recognize that what they – have been exposed to through traditional means throughout the years hasn't been serving them well and be that they're thirsty for something much different. And so if you, you know, and, you know, to, to be clear, you know, some of the way you find, as we all know, on social platforms is, you know, just, just not worth very much. But if you have a specific interest and you want to learn more about a certain topic, I mean, the, the, the field has never been more open, and that's why we're starting to see um, specific um, audiences kind of drive towards, you know, kind of just different different trains of thought. I mean, if if you and I were having this conversation in the, in the mid '90s, the, the options would, would be would be fairly limited for the most part to most people. But you know, now there there are just so many, you know, different 
personalities and and in different platforms that you can you, you can drive towards that it's it, it makes finding new new trains of thought easier but at the same time it also presents some problems because i think now more than ever um there is a waning respect for expertise and authority because you know so many so many times in the past we've had you know figures presented to us who spoke from that point of view and then we find out that they've either been lying outright or they just they just didn't have the best interest of their particular audience at heart so the, these things they do come with with with, with problems and so what, what that means um for the person you know in in search of you know whatever the given thing happens to be is it, it demands a certain kind of skepticism up to a certain point but at the same time you have to be open to to to, to learning something that you previously didn't um didn't think about or you just didn't have access to yeah there's a, there's a kind of a requirement on both the producer of the material and the consumer of the material that to have a rigor uh, from somebody producing something that you're doing responsible and clear and uh, work that reflects uh, a discipline and then as a consumer to bring um, a harsher or more rigorous approach to the evaluation of what you're consuming uh, I think is a part of this democratization of the platform i mean the, for me is a very clear example the the difference between me having a podcast and not having a podcast was exactly what you talked about it was about information actually had all the tools i needed to make a podcast prior to having a podcast and then once i understood how to use uh, a ton of free tools and a, and a ton of very inexpensive tools, then I had it. Uh, and I have an artistic expression through my podcast, The Well-Run Life, and then I have what I consider to be a community-building, um, you know, podcast uh, as well. And if I'm to kind of paraphrase back, you know, what you said is that as a consumer, hey, you have a chance to go explore whatever things interest you at a level of specificity that hasn't existed before because there's all these voices that are out there and then as a producer of information you know you can speak to what you're most interested in as well but you know earlier in the conversation you talked about uh, the construction of that content needing discipline and and I couldn't agree with that more because when I listen to and I'm always exploring different types of podcasts and different types of um, media that's being produced in the on the platforms that I'm most interested in and uh, you know sometimes someone has just innate talent and it, you know maybe maybe it's effortless for them that they produce it but I always feel like the stuff that is the most interesting has a, a discipline underneath it that uh, gives us you know gives us the best stuff um, and I, I want to turn it back to you uh, specifically for the final kind of two questions of it. And um, in your work, I mean, either what accomplishment or piece of work, and maybe it's the arena, would you like people to associate with you at this point in what I'm confident is going to be a career full of lots of great things ahead of you? 
but in terms of what you've done already, I mean, what do you want to be associated with the most? What, what's something that you feel great about? Yeah, I think that series is, is probably the, um, the place to, to go to. I, I think, I think it's a good launching off point for understanding, you know, what I'm interested in personally, but also understanding, you know, what a lot of people are, are striving towards in that particular world. Um, I, I think even though it it may seem obvious in some ways, but even still, I, I don't think people necessarily understand how much it takes to, you know, take something that has been, you know, crafted and, and, you know, something that's been personal to you and, you know, something that you've, you've invested a lot of emotional energy in. And then to take that outside your home, outside your mind, and, and have, you know, people out in the world examine it, poke at it, critique it, et cetera. And especially with how quickly feedback can come, you know, in today's yeah, right. world with, with those with the with the social platforms, it's it's something that I'm, I'm not entirely sure a lot of people um, realize is is, is difficult. Um, feedback is obviously important for sure, and I think it's it's difficult to 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 do quality work without it. But the negativity that comes with speaking in public today, I think, is is new. And I think it's having a direct impact in a number of different places, obviously, but I think in, 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 in spaces that we would call creative, I think it's even more so. The negativity is something that's just, just compounded by the nature of the, of the, of the platforms. Um, it's a lot easier to drive, you know, what you call um, impressions or just people interacting with each other. It's, it's, it's a much quicker line to, 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 you know, to eliciting negative or, you know, other kinds of interactions than it necessarily is for positive interactions. That's something that we've all seen and we probably all experienced. So dealing with that kind of, ne- with that kind of negativity is it's just, it's a barrier to entry. So if that's something that is, is difficult or is, is something that you're just not naturally inclined to do, it'll make it that much harder to get your ideas um, out and, 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 and operative in the world. And that, that's unfortunate, but um, at the same time, that's just, it's a reality that we just have to deal with now. Yeah. I will tell you as somebody, and I'm in the marketplace of ideas. I mean, I have my audience relative to the names that people would have heard of like a Tim Ferriss or, you know, pick your podcaster celebrity, um, or, you know, or even the books that I've written or, or whatnot. I mean, we're talking about a really small audience relative to the, the mainstream. So I'm one of these people you're speaking to. And I have been astounded at uh, the, the, <laughs> the thickness of skin that I have needed to bring my humble, small voice out there to the world um, at times has been met with such a disproportionate, like, um, uh, level of, uh, you know, negativity that, I mean, it's not that I don't want people to criticize and, and disagree with where I'm at, but um, the 
how quickly we get into a territory of um, of harshness of uh, you know and for me and and again like I'm I'm a small player hoping to become a bigger player in the future but uh, I've experienced things um, comments and, and ways of being spoken to in this public sphere that I think would chase many people out to go well I, I just don't want to do this it's not the gratification isn't worth those there. Conversely, I mean, I've had the good fortune of people taking the time to express wonderful things for me, and that creating a community of encouragement uh, is something that I've been the beneficiary of too. So I've I've had it both ways, and I don't mean to issue that as a complaint as much as an observation. Um, you know, and maybe it's part of the way our conversation is in general. I mean, people are just quick to feel empowered to say uh, their disagreement or disapproval so much more harshly than than perhaps the other side of the equation, who somebody may like something, but it's less motivating, it seems, to go express, hey, I appreciate what you did or, or whatever. It's uh, imbalanced. And that, I, I agree, I think it does chase people out. And, you know, in terms of today, we, you know, we're going to put links to how people can learn more about you. And I consider you to be an incredible storyteller uh, with remarkable skills that have application uh, in the artistic world, in the commercial world. I mean, if somebody was looking to tell their story, I think you're a careful listener, and so you understand uh, what people are trying to say and their point of view, which I think is not easy for folks. And so it's a great skill I think you have. and then being able to take what you understand, and I think you give feedback, like this is how I want to go at this particular um, expression of what I've heard from you. You know, I, I really respect how you, how you do that. So outside of the show notes, I mean, is there a place you want to send people to learn more about you? Um, well, yeah, the, we, the, the site um, has a very good um, summary of some of the work that I've been able to to be a part of, but one thing I'll say just kind of in general is because there are so many choices for almost every kind of, you know, business, product, service, what have you, um, it's all the more important that a, per- that a person is able to clearly distill what their point of view is, you know, within the context of what they're offering. Because you know when it, when it, when when choices are are so um, are so open and and people can just you know have have their pick. Usually it just comes down to okay, this person or this company just seems to have a point of view that I identify with, and that can mean the difference between you know them going with you or or somebody else. So even though we do live in the world of you know instant clapbacks you know, instant negativity, et cetera. What that also means is that people are, are looking for, you know, those who are, are like-minded. They're looking for, pe- for people who have a similar view of the world that, uh, that, that, uh, that they do. And so if, you know, somebody or some company or some organization does have a specific um, view of the world, it's important that they articulate that to the best of, to the best of their ability. Yeah, I, I mean, from a connection and a lever to get your 
uh, word out there and your point of view and your, you know, we, uh, Kevin Kelly wrote a famous article called A Thousand True Fans and uh, you know, it has a lot of, many people are aware of it and it's that, hey, you can build a movement or a customer base or, you know, pick your community that you're trying to form. You can get to scale with a thousand true fans. and But to get there, there's got to be a clarity of message and that's something that you know I think you're you're good at. You you referenced your own site, but we didn't talk about it. So as as we kind of wrap things up, why don't you give people the site that you um, that you referenced about you earlier? Oh yeah, the site is um, smarlow.com. Well, Thomas, thanks for spending time with us. We really are grateful uh, that you expressed yourself today with us and gave people a chance to get to know you. Of course, at themodernrevolution.com, people can learn more about you there and link to all the different places besides smarlow.com uh, to learn about you. And so like others we've talked to, Thomas is clear-eyed about our current situation and brave enough to bring his thoughts and words to the arena. And never was that term more appropriate than today given his good work titled The Arena. So let him inspire you to bring your ideas to the world. Don't keep them locked away. The modern revolution needs us all. The show notes for this show and all our shows can be found at themodernrevolution.com. So please go there where you can check out the show notes and learn more about our guests and see some of our fun videos like Tell Big Soda to Piss Off. The Modern Revolution is a production of A Well-Run Life. In Well-Run Life, we have an additional podcast by the same name, A Well-Run Life, and it's three minutes long. And should you be interested in some of our additional ideas, Peter Dealey, myself, I have a book called The Leadership Miracle, and it's 35 minutes, and it's on audible.com for $3.95, so you can check us out there as well. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next episode. This podcast sounds a little bit better on the podcast player, CastBox. In fact, I think of it as Podcast Bliss. They've been a great supporter of ours through this podcast and our other podcast, Well Run Life. And so if you haven't checked out CastBox, we encourage you to do it today.